0: Discerninghearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Discernment of Spirits Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of seven books published by the Crossroad Publishing Company on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lantieri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor.
1: The 10th rule, let the one who is in consolation think how he will conduct himself in the desolation which will come after, taking new strength for that time.
0: Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thanks, Chris. Rule 10. Help us to understand this, this passage we're making.
1: Well, what St.
2: Ignatius will say here, after five rules for the person who is in a time of desolation, is to focus now on a person who's in a time of consolation, but still from the same perspective. That is, what what he really sees the real problem in the spiritual life, for most of us, is when we get discouraged and disheartened. And so, in rules that are very practical, Ignatius will just keep saying, here's another help, and here's another one, and here's another one, when you are in those low, difficult times of desolation. So that even though he's talking about consolation now in Rule 10, he still has in mind helping us to deal with desolation. And what he'll say is, there is something you can do when you are in a time of consolation that's going to really help you when desolation returns, as we can serenely say eventually it will, in the up and down that's just normal in the spiritual life.
0: Is it like provisioning a bomb shelter almost?
2: It's Yes. <laughs> it's like Joseph in the book of Genesis, in the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. And in the seven years of plenty, Joseph stores up grain that he doesn't need but which is crucial for survival in the seven years of famine which will follow. And that's what Ignatius says here. You can live in times of spiritual consolation in such a way that not only do you receive the gift which God is giving in the consolation, but you're thinking ahead and actively preparing for eventual times of desolation. And then that strength is going to make all the difference when you eventually get into the desolation. But, you know, I think this is probably a good point, just to say something about consolation itself. Mm-hmm. And we've been saying all along that the, you know, the big three, be aware, understand, take action. The action in this case is to accept God's work in consolation. And let's look at that through something that St. Elizabeth Seton wrote. This was a letter that she wrote to a close friend of hers in adult age about an experience that she had when she was 15 years old. Um, in her life, you know that her mother died when she was three years old. Mm-hmm. And her father very quickly remarried. Her, her stepmother never accepted Elizabeth and her younger sister. Her father, whom Elizabeth loved deeply, was one of the leading doctors in the Manhattan of his day, and because of that was uh, much more absent from her life than she would have wished. It was the great sorrow of those years that her father, whom she loved so deeply, was not as present to her as she would have wished. And the background to this particular experience is precisely that, because her father, as shall say, is often in England at this time, which is where the leading medical research was in his day. And he'd go back periodically to catch up on what was going on in the medical field. And she has been sent to stay with her uncle, her father's brother, in her uncle's home in New Rochelle. And on this particular day, a day in May, the boy who works at her uncle's farm goes off, drives the wagon off into the woods just to cut wood. And Elizabeth goes with him. And as he sets about his work, she sets off walking in the woods and she describes how she finds an outlet in a meadow, chestnut tree with, she says, several young ones growing around it, rich moss under it, and a warm sun. Here then, she says, was a sweet bed, the air a clear blue vault above, the numberless sounds of spring melody and joy, the sweet clovers and wild flowers I had got by the way, and a heart as innocent as human heart could be, filled even with enthusiastic love to God and admiration of his works." God, she says, was my father, my all. It's a beautiful thing to see God touching her heart right in the place where her heart so longs to be loved by a father. God was my father, my all. I prayed, sang hymns, cried, laughed, talking to myself of how far he could put me above all sorrow. Then I laid still to enjoy the heavenly peace that came over my soul. And I am sure, in the two hours so enjoyed, grew ten years in the spiritual life. Mm. which is a beautiful thing. We're on very holy ground, so uh, I'll just approach that with great reverence, if I may, because that says with the the utter clarity and precise spiritual intuition of the saints, says the principal thing that we will ever say about spiritual consolation, our principal t- call in time of spiritual consolation, that day when my prayer is so warm with a sense of God's love, or I'm at Mass and I feel the Lord's real presence and welcome him into me when I receive communion, or I'm reading the scriptures and they're so alive with the message of God's love and inspiration. Our principal call in time of spiritual consolation is simply to do what Elizabeth did, drink it in, accept it, allow the son of God's love and the reign of his grace render fertile our spiritual lives. Then I laid still to enjoy the heavenly peace which came over my soul. It's perfect. And I am sure in the two hours so enjoyed, grew ten years in the spiritual life, the enormous growth that God will give us when we simply allow him to love and pour his love into our hearts in time of spiritual consolation. And nothing, not even what Ignatius says in Rule 10, is intended ever to weigh upon that. I have here uh, a quote from the the life of St. Francis of Assisi, which St. Bonaventure wrote, in which he says, Francis would never let any call of the Spirit go unanswered. When he experienced it, he would make the most of it and enjoy the consolation afforded him in this way for as long as God permitted it. And as St. Bonaventure goes on, he describes how if St. Francis would feel God's consolation and God's inspirations coming into his heart, he was walking with his companions, he would let them go on ahead. He would stay there and drink the sin as long as God was giving it. Having said that, what Ignatius will say in Rule 10 is that there is a way of living the overall experience of spiritual consolation which will build an additional good together with the principal good that is simply accepting God's love and the growth that comes from that, which God intends in time of spiritual consolation. So let's, for example... Imagine St. Elizabeth that evening of that day. She loved to walk by the water. She loved the uh, the shoreline. And let's imagine her walking along the shore that evening with her heart still deeply warmed by the gift given during those two hours that morning. Clearly, she remembers it even years later. Uh, certainly, that evening, her heart would be filled with that. We could see Elizabeth now as she walks along the shore, her heart warmed with a sense of God's faithful love. Together with the Lord, remembering that times of desolation will be there, times of struggle, and with the Lord consciously taking in strength and preparing for the future times of desolation. That's what Ignatius wants us to to see, and that's the counsel that he gives us in this 10th rule. Now, what happens if we don't do that? What Mm -hmm. happens, here are weeks of consolation and days of prayer that are a delight, and I never stop to think, you know, that desolation is returning. When it does, it can come with a real shock, I grew up in a family of sailors. We would go sailing every Sunday. We loved it. And, you know, if you have sailed, you know that experience where the boat can be moving along strongly through the water. Sails are filled with the wind. The boat is cutting through the waves, making good time. The boat is slightly heeled up. You're sitting on the upper rail to try to keep it as level as you can so that it moves through the water well. And then suddenly the wind drops, or you go in the wind shadow of a larger boat that cuts across your wind, and then crash, the boat slams down into the water, the sails are flapping, water spilling into the boat, you lose your balance, you may almost go overboard. That's what happens spiritually if we never do look ahead in time of consolation, to the fact that desolation at some point will return. Here are two people riding a bus down a city street, standing, holding on to the metal rod, loosely, that's all they need to do. Maybe talking with a with a friend, looking out the window, trying to read something from the paper. Up ahead is a fairly sharp curve in the itinerary of the bus. One of these people is engrossed in looking out the window or reading, doesn't see that turn coming. The bus goes into the turn. His loose grip is insufficient. His grip slips. He goes flying. His briefcase hits the floor of the bus, spills open. He tears the, the elbow of his jacket. That's it's not a matter of life and death, but it puts a bit of a dent into the day. A bit of a dent. Yeah. Yes. Here's the other in the same situation, reading, talking to a friend, but he looks up from time to time to see what lies ahead on the itinerary of the bus, sees the sharp curve. Before the bus goes into the curve, plants his feet a little more solidly, gets a better grip on the pole. As the bus goes through the sharp curve, he sways just a little bit and that's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. That's where Ignatius again is trying to bring us in rule 10 so that in time of consolation, aware that desolation is eventually going to return we are taking in strength for the eventual return of that spiritual desolation
0: we'll return in just a moment to the discernment of spirits setting the captives free with father timothy gallagher hi this is chris mcgregor of discerning hearts which is a 5 on 1 c3 fully tax-deductible nonprofit organization dedicated to evangelization and spiritual formation through the use of new media. Discerning Hearts creates engaging multimedia specializing in podcasts and radio broadcasts, faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and its rich authentic spiritual tradition. We hope that if this has been helpful for you that you will first pray for our mission and if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to support our efforts. We charge nothing for any of the programs that are available on Discerning Hearts, and our outreach is literally to the world. Please tell a friend about Discerning Hearts and either download our free apps, which are available at iTunes and Google Play stores, or visit discerninghearts.com. Prayers of Saint Ignatius of Loyola.
1: Anima Christi. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of my death, call me and bid me come to thee that with thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever Amen Amen
0: Father Timothy Gallagher of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary is author of several best-selling books based on the teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola The Discernment of Spirits An Ignatian Guide for Everyday Living The Examine Prayer Ignatian Wisdom for Our Lives Today, Spiritual Consolation, an Ignatian Guide for the Greater Discernment of Spirits, Meditation and Contemplation, an Ignatian Guide to Praying the Scripture, an Ignatian Introduction to Prayer, Scriptural Reflections According to the Spiritual Exercises, and Discerning the Will of God, an Ignatian Guide to Christian Decision-Making. All these books are published by the Crossroad Publishing Company. For more information about books, tapes, and retreat schedule can be found at org. That's FrTimothyGallagher.org. We now return to The Discernment of Spirits, setting captives free with Father Timothy Gallagher.
1: The tenth rule, let the one who is in consolation think how he will conduct himself in the desolation which will come after, taking new strength for that time.
2: Now, how would we do that? Can we get kind of practical about this? How would a person, on a day when God's warmth is there, I was at Mass this morning, and it was was a happy time. Quietly my heart was filled with peace. I was strengthened for the day. I had 10 minutes during the lunch hour and I read a few verses from Scripture and I could feel the Lord's presence. Um, Now it's in the quiet evening after the activity of the day. How might I, in this day of consolation, in addition to the beautiful accepting of God's strengthening through the consolation, also be preparing for the times when there will be more struggle and desolation? Well, I'll just suggest a, a, a few ways. Each of us can find his or her own way in doing this. I think one thing we can do in those times of consolation when we're with the Lord is very simply just ask the Lord's help for future desolation. Just prayer of petition. Now we saw this in the sixth rule when Ignatius says that this is very helpful to do when we're right in the desolation. What we'd be saying now is that we can do that even before the desolation begins so that like Joseph, we are storing up spiritual grain for the year of famine, for the days of struggle that may lie ahead. Mm -hmm. Meditation on truths that will sustain us in spiritual desolation. This too, St. Ignatius said in the sixth rule. So that I, you know, Father Gallagher, I might, out for a walk in the evening, sitting in the chapel, in the quiet of my room at some point, when my heart feels God's closeness, I might just call to mind those words, I have been here before which to me are a sign that whenever I have been in desolation I can look back now and see that God was there and His love faithfully saw me through those times and even brought growth through them. What I could do is, in a time of consolation, just call those experiences to mind, maybe biblical verses that speak to me of God's love, so that they're right there at my spiritual fingertips and when the desolation returns, as it will at some point, they are much more likely to be right there to help me, those truths, in the time of desolation itself. What if, in a time of spiritual consolation, we consciously stop to think about spiritual desolation and the reasons why a God who loves us may allow it? Things like we saw in the ninth rule. Mm -hmm. What if we got out the ninth rule and just went through those reasons again, why God may allow a person whom He loves and who loves Him to go through a time of desolation? so that we see those negligences change in the trial that brings growth, so that we know that consolation is a gift and we are rooted in that rich humility. What we could also do in a time of consolation is look back over past times of desolation in our own life history. And at a distance of time now we can probably see how God has given us growth through those times how we reached out in ways that have made a real difference in our lives. What if in a time of peace, we thought through those times together with the Lord just to see that pattern? Why was in desolation that it was difficult, it was dark, it was heavy? But I can see now the good that came to me through that, the growth, the learning, as I struggled with that and the ways that God blessed me through that struggle. Well, the next time I am in desolation again, the memory... Because I've done that, because I've reflected on this with the Lord, it's going to be all the easier for me to say, Lord, you're with me in this one too. There's a reason for this one too. And I'll be stronger to get through it. In Ignatius' words in Rule 10, I am taking up new strength, taking in new strength for that time of desolation when it returns. Mm -hmm. I can resolve in a time of spiritual consolation. This is our Rule 5, the one that I hope we'll never forget in time of desolation, make no changes to anything in your spiritual life. What I could do in a time of consolation is think back to times of past desolation when I did make such changes. So in that time of desolation, I kind of gave up my prayer with scripture, or I stopped going to that class in the parish, or I let that retreat go, or gave up in this whatever effort it might be in the spiritual life. And I can see now that they were not good changes. I can see the way that those changes made things more difficult for me, did not help growth in the spiritual life. So that seeing that now clearly in the peace of consolation, the next time that I'm in desolation, I will be much less likely to make those kinds of changes again. This time, I'm going to try to be faithful to my prayer. I'm going to continue in the activity in the parish.
0: Father, on a Practical note, when you are in this moment of consolation, you're very aware of God's presence. Is this a good time if you have not started to journal to actually begin the process of journaling so that you can begin to write these reminders down for yourself? Because it seems to me as though sometimes the human heart, when you're in desolation, can be easily swayed to forget
2: I remember a woman telling me that uh, what she does is this. When she's in a time of spiritual consolation, she writes herself a letter, seals it, puts it in a box. When she finds herself again in a time of spiritual desolation, she goes to the box, opens the letter, and reads it. Mm. I think that kind of writing, whether in time of consolation or in time of desolation, can be very useful for us. Because the act of writing help. as we write things out, we see them more clearly. We're reflecting very consciously on them and in trying to find words for them. Maybe there isn't somebody right at hand that we can even talk to, which is a beautiful thing when that's possible. But we can at least always do this. The, the act of writing them out helps us to see it all more clearly and also gives us a kind of concrete memory of what's happened so that we can go back to it and see patterns. I think that's a wonderful thing to do uh, okay. in, as a help to living the discerning life so that we're just, it, it creates a deeper awareness in terms of that big three and the first step of that. Mm-hmm. We just become more aware. And as awareness grows, understanding grows. And then obviously the freedom to take action grows as well. Obviously, the best thing always, if we can find it, and this is anticipating Rule 13, is to be able to speak with a wise, competent, spiritual person. That, you know, it is not good for man to be alone, the scripture says, and that certainly applies in living discernment. Uh, But together with that, and even when it's hard to find that, writing in a journal can always be a very helpful thing for us. Each person will have his or her own way of writing, by the way. We all have our own different styles and how much we write and all of those sorts of things.
0: But aren't we glad when they do that, especially when it's even forced under obedience? Otherwise, we wouldn't have Ignatian spirituality. We wouldn't have uh, Teresa of Avila's writings. We wouldn't have so many things if people did not put a pen to paper.
2: Well, that's another advantage which comes when we're speaking of saints, because their writing serves not only themselves, but in God's providence also becomes a wonderful resource for others as well. Even if our own writing is only, and let me put that in quotation marks because it's powerful, a blessing for us as we write, or a help to us as we try eventually to put this in words with maybe a spiritual guide, and we can see our experience more clearly as we read what we've written, it will be of enormous blessing to us in the spiritual life. Well, another thing that can help us in time of spiritual consolation would be to take, I'd say take the text of the rules and read it. Go back over it. Review it basically is what i'm saying because I think from long experience now in teaching these rules that if we want the rules to really make an impact in our lives we need to do two things. We need to learn them and then we need to review them. How much, for example, of what we are saying right now will be right at our fingertips six months from now or a year from now in, in even a week from now even a day from now in, in the press and crush of things in daily life if we want this teaching to really make a difference in our lives then we'll need some way to review the content of the rules and keep them fresh i'm always a little shy in talking about my own books but this is a point where i think i need to um My hope is actually that the book, which is really the content that we're going through in these conversations, could serve this purpose if it were on a shelf as a reference. Well, what is that, Rule 5? I know that's important, but I haven't thought about it in a while. Uh, Let me just take that chapter again and read a few pages and get that fresh. What does Ignatius suggest we do in time of spiritual consolation to prepare for desolation? Well, let me read the chapter on Rule 10 and get that fresh again in my mind and in my heart and ready to use. I think some kind of resource of this this uh, nature would be very useful for us, so that we can constantly keep the rules fresh in our consciousness. I've seen people do a lot of wonderfully creative things along these lines. One woman told me that she taped them up, the text of the rules, on the the door of her room. Another that she kept them by her bedstand. Another person, that she taped them to the dashboard of her car, and there they were on her commute back and forth mm-hmm. uh, to, to work. I've seen people do all kinds of digital things with these recordings and iPods that they play as they go walking. One woman suggested using them as a screensaver on the computer, which would be interesting if you were in a public place you know, where others would see them. There are all kinds of... I've, I've seen people summarize them on something that's the size of a business card, you know, just uh, a very essential summary and keep that in a wallet or a purse so that the person can frequently refresh this. I, I would warmly like to suggest that if any of us listening are finding that Ignatius' teaching is useful and helpful, that we find some way to keep the content of these rules fresh. We keep it right at our fingertips, that we review this content in some way and that will pay rich, rich spiritual dividends in our lives. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Maybe I would also add finally that we might consider noting times in our lives or situations where we can easily get tripped up in spiritual desolation and then specifically preparing for those before we get into that situation. In my own life, I recognize a pattern. I travel so much. You know, I'm out in a parish or a seminary or a retreat center you're immersed in in, in contact with people and teaching and interacting with people, and then you return home. Suddenly the people aren't there. You've got all the tiredness and fatigue of the travel and the event. I know that that's a time when I can start to feel like I don't want to pray and I'm just so tired and all the rest. So that when I'm at my best now, what I do is during the travel home, I'm already praying, asking for help for that time which lies ahead. Hmm. I remember a woman telling me that Let's say it was Thursday afternoon in her work week. There was that meeting that was always the time that could get her discouraged. At lunchtime, from her office, she could hear the Angelus bells ringing in a nearby parish. And hearing the sound of the Angelus bells was her reminder to pray for God's strength in the meeting that would come so that she would not get into the discouragement of desolation in the time following. It can be very helpful for us then to be... In, in any of these many ways, in time of consolation, when we feel God's closeness and warmth, to be aware that desolation is going to return. And like Ignatius says, think ahead and store up spiritual strength for those times. And then, like Joseph with the grain that was there when they needed it in the time of famine, we will safely get through them.
0: Thank you. For- You've been listening to. The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free, with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our mission. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Discernment of Spirits, Setting the Captives Free with Father Timothy Gallagher.